Will you please bow your head and will you please pray with me? Lord, our choir sang a beautiful song. Will our words and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you? And as they were singing, I was sitting here thinking, I need to preach. So I ask, O oh Lord, that my words and the meditations I had this week thinking about this sermon topic will not be acceptable to us, but, but, but to you. Because here we are, we are seeking your word and your will. We are seeking your guidance, and it should not come from us as humans. And that's why you gave us your word, and we are so honored to be able to pick up this book and to know that the words that are written in this were given to us by you. Through many people that wrote it, but still your Holy Spirit led them to write what you wanted us to know in the year 2022. We live in a time, Lord, where people really do not think that this word or book is of any value anymore. But as people try to prove you wrong, they are discovering the loneliness and the hardship and the pain that follows when God is removed and God's guidance is removed. So this prayer, may the words, the meditations, may this be from you, is what we ask. Amen. I'm a bit confused today, I must honestly say. I was raised by a family that told me not to tell a lie, but always speak the truth. My parents told me, you know, if you lie, then we can't trust you anymore. And I use this example many times in my life when I talk to people about truth. Is I say to them, you know, the moment when you tell a lie, it's not about the thing anymore, it's now about you. Because the thing is not important anymore, it's you, because you are not being trusted. Your integrity, in a sense, is questioned when you start to tell a lie. I also then, as a little kid, was exposed to the story of Pinocchio. And that reinforced this whole thing that you shouldn't tell any lies because I didn't want my nose to grow. Now the thing continued to grow somewhat, uh, but not uh, hopefully because of lies. But Pinocchio told me also, you shouldn't lie, your, na your nose, but your, your nose may, may grow. As I grew older and I started to study psychology and ministry and theology and all these kinds of things, the whole thing about truth always came back. It's a biblical thing, and I, if I really want to talk about all the verses in the Bible about truth, we will probably miss the Super Bowl tonight. So I'm going to look at only a fraction of it for our topic for today. But as I think and I read about truth a little bit, I ask myself the question, so why is truth so important? Because Truth, in a sense, brings clarity. If I tell you something, I hope you believe me because it is then clear to you where I stand, what I believe, what I want you to do, and what's going on. It brings security or trust. That's extremely important. No person can really function well without any security or trust in his or her life, and especially then in relationships. It brings direction. How will I know where to go if I do not trust the person telling me where to go? <laughs> Uh, you know, many, many years ago, Luis, go, Luis and I visited, we backpacked through Europe. Uh, it was in the 80s, and we ended up in France. Uh, 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 
Now, they've changed a little bit. But in France at that stage, if you would ask someone, where is the place, they would point in that direction, and you knew you had to go in that direction because they were not that friendly to, uh, to foreign visitors. It brings stability, it brings respect, it brings joy. Apply this now to relationships. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So people are trying to celebrate now love. You know, and I, I work with a lot of people in my office, and, and many times when they sit with me, they struggle with their life, and I ask them, do you love each other? Yeah, we love each other. But then there's always all this conflict, and why is there conflict? Because there's some mistrust because of a lie or a deception. What does it do? It takes all of these things away. So I believe with all my heart, as I stand in front of you, that telling the truth is a biblical thing and a very important thing. But what confuses me is the following. I do not know how I missed it, but when I started to do my research for my sermon, I, I found this out. That the Oxford Dictionary word for 2016, post-truth. I didn't know that. And then I read more about this, and that's actually true. In 2016, the Oxford Dictionary came up with not only a word, but this term. And they define it as the following, relating to or denoting circumstances in which, now my heart starts to beat real hard, objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to the emotion and personal belief. Oh, that's a fantastic way to say you can lie. That's all. That's all that this is saying. What this is saying actually is that if you look at your circumstances, you look at your own emotions, you look at the facts, then you, then you can interpret those facts in a way that will serve you the best, and then you end up with this. Look at my picture here. It's the post-truth era. Facts are destroyed because we now want to satisfy our own needs and our own ideas. I have the right to interpret facts now in the way that I would like to present it. It may not be the truth anymore. It's the ultimate human right I've read. It's my right to have my own truth. Now, now, now if you have a truth and I have a truth, whose truth is going to be the truth then? And if I am in a relationship with my wife and I ask her certain things and she says, this is what my truth is, then I wonder, is it really true that I can trust her? Because in my world, the truth may be somewhat different from her vision of it or then the other way around. How can there be any, any, any confidence or security in this situation? And actually what I think, and this is really part of the problem, is that people would interpret the facts in a way not to be corrected anymore. You see, we live in a world that you can't tell people that they are doing wrong anymore. There's always a reason. Uh, even now, all sin is now blamed on an illness. I may have this disability or that disability or this problem or that problem. You can't tell me it's me. It must be something else because I am great and I'm good because I have become God. And therefore, I can play with truth in a way that will serve me then the best. And we are surrounded by this. We are surrounded by this. I, I asked my wife, she was on her phone last night, whatever, and she was looking at something. I said, what are you doing? She said, no, she's reading some stuff. 
And I asked myself, I wonder if the stuff she's reading is the truth. Because it's on Google doesn't mean it's the truth. Because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's the truth anymore. The fact that someone who is important in life, standing on a stadium, or not a stadium, standing on a pulpit, not a, on a floor, platform, that's the word I'm looking for. If someone that's important standing on a platform tells you something, it doesn't always mean it's the truth anymore. There are actually people being paid to tell lies. Look at commercials. Many commercials tell you stuff that they know is not true, but they pay someone to tell you this because they want you to believe it, and they know it's not the truth. And I think, oh, it's awesome. And eventually it's going to cause more harm than good. What does it create, this post-true era? It creates confusion. It creates unclarity. People are per perplexed. Do you know how many people I work with many times in my office that looks like this young people? person sitting there and I would say what's going on the person would say I have no idea what to do with my life anymore because I can't, can't trust anyone I do not know who to trust anymore I'm constantly being deceived I'm constantly being told certain things online in, in person because there is no God anymore people can say whatever they want because it's okay you have the right to interpret the facts that works for you I'm continuing with my series on the marks of the church, and we started off with prayer, with faith, love, hope, and now we are at number one, uh, number five, the true message of the gospel. And this is what Paul says about this. He says, and this is from Colossians, he says, In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, just as it, is, as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. Now, I'm going to preach about the fruit thing next week, but today you have heard about this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that came to you. Let me read this. And why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour? I die every day, Paul says. That is certain, brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you, a boast that I make in Christ, of Je Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul is sitting in prison while he's writing this letter. He's in a Roman prison. Definitely uh, not the best place to be. The Romans were not very kind to their prisoners. And Paul is sitting in prison for one reason only. He didn't steal anything. He didn't cause any harm. He was not trying to challenge the Roman government. He's sitting in prison because he believes in Jesus Christ. If you go and you read 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you will find that Paul gives a long list of things that happened with him. He talks about being shipwrecked. He talked, talked about being, sleeping outside in the cold, in the heat, without water, without food. He talks about sleepless nights. He talks about all kinds of trials. Then he goes deeper. He says, now I've been flogged five times. He received from the Romans 39 lashes. It means they tie you to a pole and they beat your back until there's no skin, almost flesh left over. Three times he was hit, beaten by with sticks. That's when they really make you bow down and they beat you with sticks as hard as they can. Oh, by the way, and Paul was also stoned left as if he was dead. Why? Because of Jesus. 
Last week I said it's not really an incentive to ask someone to believe in Jesus because look at what happened with Paul. and He's sitting in prison. Believe in Jesus, but he's in prison. But why are they prepared to do this? Him and all the other people in the earliest church. Numerous of them were killed for their faith because they believed that everything that they know about God is true. Paul said, you can do to me whatever you want. You can do to me whatever you want. You can take my life, but you can't take my faith because I saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ and therefore I'm an apostle. At some point in the Corinthians, he said, I'm the least of all, but Christ showed himself to me and therefore I will continuously tell you what I believe about him, that it's the truth. And Paul knows the Old Testament. I'm not going to read it. No, I'll, I'll continue. Paul is a Pharisee. He knows the Old Testament. So when Paul comes and he says, we are bringing you the words of truth, what Paul is saying is, I'm bringing you the facts about God and who God is. I'm telling you that the creation, because these Romans had different ideas about the creation. They had all these stupid Roman gods that they believed in that did all kinds of really weird things. You don't want to read all these stories. And that's how they believed the world and the earth came to be. Paul says, that is all nonsense. He says, I come to you before God and I will die in prison for what I believe that God created the heaven and the earth. And that's what I believe. I'm reading a book now, um, two books actually. One is uh, The Chemistry of, 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 of the Universe. It's actually quantum physics and stuff. A guy with the name of Lennox wrote this book. He's refuting some of the arguments that Dawkins and all these people bring the atheists about us as Christians because they tell us we are stupid for not believing the scientific evidence about the creation of this world. And the scientific evidence of the creation of this world has nothing to do with my faith in God. I just think they are discovering how God created because God created. That's what Paul says. He says, I believe that God created a male and a female. That's what I believe. It's in the Bible. And Paul says, I believe that there was something like the flood, and I believe there was uh, 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 the, the, the exodus from Egypt, and I believe that God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments on, the, on Mount Sinai for us to believe these are the words of God. And he says, I will die for these. Because I know it's true. I know that's the direction that God wants us to take and to know about God and who God is. He says, I believe this about God's person. Because in the Old Testament, we are introduced to a God that tells us that he's a righteous God. If you know anything about Dawkins, Dawkins is this huge atheist that wrote, you know, that we are now beyond God and God is dead and God is whatever. But Dawkins wrote about God and he said, the Old Testament God is the most intolerable, horrible person there is because look how hard and cruel he was and whatever. He has no clue who the God is he's talking about. The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is the same God. But in the Old Testament, God had to deal with those people in a different way because they were completely immature in their understanding of life. God couldn't have a conversation with them. He said, stop doing this. If you do this, I will punish you. And then they did it again. He said, I will punish you. Stop it. And then he will continue. And God said, okay, stop it now. I need to get somewhere with my kingdom. But what do you find in the Old Testament? Love and grace and God constantly calling. Paul talks about God's grace. He talks about God's will. 
about the obedience. And time and time again, Paul reminds his readers in, in, the, in, in his letters that he's writing, he says, guys, God gave us all of this, and if God asked of us to be obedient to him, it's for a reason. And I will be obedient to him all the way through death because I believe it's the truth of what God wants me to know about him and about myself. Because why do God want us to be obedient to him? So that he can protect us. Without living in his will, we have no direction, we have nothing. Now we live in this strange world. You look at my little bottle there, more me, less God, Christianity, light. Paul says, for the time is coming when people will not pop up with sound doctrine. Put up, sorry. Will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. Jeremiah 36. As you and I read four, three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a penknife. That's uh, Jehoiakim. And throw them in the fire of the brazier until the entire scroll was consumed and the fire that was in the brazier. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants, now there should be a little piece uh, that follows, would tear their garments because of what they read in the word. So what did Joachim do? He was sitting in this room and as they were reading from the scroll from Jeremiah, he would cut off pieces that he didn't like and he would throw them in the fire until there was nothing left. Now this post-truth era, this whole idea that you can design your own truth has found its way into the church. It has found its way into the theology of this modern, of this modern era. We are now living in an era where people say we are going to question everything that's in the Bible. And Luis and I, when we were in South Africa two weeks ago, um, I read about a guy that's in the, in the, in the seminary, he's a, he's a professor in one of our seminaries, that is questioning, listen now, He's questioning the virgin birth of Christ and even his resurrection. How can... Let me just walk around a bit. I, I, I'm sorry. How can you be associated with a church of Jesus Christ if you do not believe what the Bible teaches us about God and His Son? How can you? I've got a colleague somewhere, not, let's not name him, also here in America, that I had a conversation with at some point, and he was questioning almost every single aspect of the Bible in front of me. Why? Because he wanted to follow a completely modern understanding of how this world should be. Follow the culture of this world, and everything and ev everyone is accepted in the way that they want to be, without repentance. There will never be a church-reserved or admission reserved sign on this church door. Never. Everyone is welcome in this church. I don't care where you come from, who you are, what you believe. It makes no difference, but if you come to this place, you will hear that God wants you to look at your life in reflection with His Word, or to His Word. God loves you enough to draw you in to say, my child, sometimes there are certain things in your life that are so broken that needs to be fixed that only I can help you with this. And will I die broken? Absolutely. Will I be able to win all my sins? Definitely not. But at least with Christ with me, I can smooth them out, and it can at least be tolerable for His kingdom and for me. 
Maybe that's why the church is in such a bad shape. I'm the moderator for our presbytery. We closed four churches in our presbytery in the last three years. Three, four churches. Closed. The one I know exactly why. Because of that bottle that you saw there. I had quite a conversation with this colleague of mine about the liberal theology that he was sharing and preaching and talking about constantly his church shut down. Why? Why would you come to church if it's not the truth anymore? Why would you listen to someone that you are not sure if he or she actually will stand up for the truth? Post-truth era, not in the church. The third thing, and then I'm done. Two sentences. Paul says, I'm coming to share with you the words of truth, the gospel. And the gospel means the good news about God that came to you. And in Greek it means it was presented to you almost like a gift. It's almost like you had nothing and somebody came and said, would you like to take this from me? And what Paul is reminding all of us is that this word of truth, this gospel, this good news about God is given to the people of God. And an angel didn't bring it to this congregation. Well, Paul saw Christ. He's the only one that had a special uh, uh, vision of Jesus. But then Paul had to go and he had to share this with other people. So you and I sitting in this church are actually the vessels that God wants to use to bring the truth to the world around us that are completely perplexed by all the falseness and lies that surrounds it. And what is the truth? The truth is that there is a God that, there is a God that loves you. The truth is that I believe what God teaches me about Himself in the Bible. I believe what God teaches me in His Word about who we are and where we are supposed to be and how broken we are. I believe that's true for me also. You are broken, I am broken, we are all broken people. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only answer for you and for me, and I believe that Christ came into this world to remind me that God wants me back in the garden, back in His presence, and the only way is I need to reverse the curse that happened in the garden by not ignoring what God asks of me. God said, don't touch. Satan said, ah, that's a lie. You can't touch, you won't die. See how we are doing by not dying. So how do we reverse that curse? When God says, don't touch, don't touch, don't do, don't say, live in the way that He wants you to live, to share the truth, and to be honest and truthful people. Congregation of Jesus Christ, and this is my closing statement, how will people believe us if we do tell lies? We can't tell lies in our relationships. We can't tell, tell lies to our children. We can't tell lies to anyone. Because how can I share with them the gospel of Christ when my life is, is questioned? My integrity is questioned because I am not a truthful person. We stand for the truth and therefore we need to be truthful in all we stand. What is the truth? Pilate asked Jesus, when Jesus stood before him. And he asked that question after Jesus said, I am the king of the universe. Because he asked him, are you the king? 
And Jesus said, the truth will be revealed and set you free. I am. And then Pilate said, what is truth? For a Christian, the truth is what God teaches us about him, about us, and about this world. And we will live it. Amen.